Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it. Annie, we have made it to Book Two Earth, Chapter 9, Bitter Work. Yay! Bitter Work is note-taking for these episodes. <laughs> That's right. It does describe <laughs> the, uh, the the labor it, 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 we put into this, but it's actually not bitter at all. Like, like I actually I thoroughly enjoy it. This is a really good, interesting episode, yeah. especially as a teacher. This is a great one because there is sort of... It's a lot of it's a, there's a lot of pedagogy and uh-huh. discussion of pedagogy, like Absolutely. how to teach, examples of teaching. Plus this episode, and I remember you talking about this in the first one of the first episodes that we recorded. Mm. I was asking you questions about bending and all this stuff, <laughs> and you said, "Well, they're going to get into that eventually." Like, mm-hmm. like kind of what is. Where does this come from? What is different about the different kingdoms and, and the different kinds of bending? And this one is one where I actually want to hold on to my notes for this because there's a there's a lot of dialogue that is I, where they're just, quite frankly, you're getting mini lectures on, yeah. on the different uh, nations and their bending. So I, it, I found that really fascinating. Yeah, and like traits about the nations. Yeah, uh, yeah. yes. I think we should hold on to this for sure. All right. So uh, let's jump right into the episode summary. So... Uh, the episode opens uh, with our gang uh, camping out kind of in a rocky valley just as dawn is starting to break and everyone's asleep. And we see Aang jump up excited because he's going to learn to start earthbending. And there's a lot of like morning person vibes coming off of Aang. It is nice to see Aang is a morning person. I was going to say that that resonates with you. It absolutely does. <laughs> like I, I, I felt like a, he was a kindred spirit. Right. Which like I'm usually the one that's like, I don't know. I, I really feel like I, I connect with Aang, which sounds stupid because he's an avatar and I'm not. But you know what I mean? Like I totally personality wise. Yeah. Um, but that's my biggest difference is like, no, do not wake me up in the morning. Like I don't sleep well anyway. I want to sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm used to the sort of groggy people around me. And that's definitely what. <laughs> Uh, what what we're gonna see from Sokka. So um and like I said, definitely a morning person. He tries to get a sleeping Sokka in on the excitement and Sokka just literally growls at him in the in the um closed captioning for this, it just says growl. <laughs> and then there's a lot of like muttering and growling from from sleeping Sokka. Um and then all of a sudden we see Toph burst out of her uh earthbent tent. Um, and can I, sorry, can I pause? Yeah. This, I wonder how much longer this is after the last episode. Because the last episode was everyone like needing sleep, and now we see like they finally got it. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like the next day. Well, but but they're sleeping in a different place. They were on a mountaintop at the end of last yeah. episode. They're in a valley now. That's they're, fair. They're not all cuddled up together. So oh, true, 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 true. Yeah. Okay. There's some time has passed. Uh, so so Toph bursts out of her tent and, and exclaims, also with morning person energy. Good morning, earthbending student, in a very, like, good morning Vietnam <laughs> yeah. kind of way. Um, and Aang refers to her as Sifu Toph and bows. Now, mm. Sifu was was a word that um, when we talked with Jasmine Griffin, she used this this term. This was not a term that I was familiar with. Were you familiar with the term Sifu? I think I just vaguely knew it meant master. Yeah. So it comes from two words that mean uh, position or role of and to help the mm. verb to help so it's like person in a position to help okay um so yes it's a teacher yeah uh, oh, okay you know um but it's just that was just not a not a phrase that i it's, it's used in martial arts in chinese martial arts but it's also used in um i was reading a website about this and they were talking about how like if you ha- have a very helpful cab driver you could refer to them as sifu and that would be like a oh. they say thank you sifu for thank you being somebody in a position to help me who has helped me oh so okay. it, can, it can also mean uh, it can also mean that. And the first time we've heard anyone say it in this world, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that that's why it jumped out at me as like, oh, this is yeah. this is new. Why are we using why this now? word now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe it's a word that Toph taught him. Mm, you true. know, because Aang has never called a master that before. So you know, but there's potential there. Um, and Katara takes exception to this because she's never been called Sifu Katara. <laughs> and we see Sokka growling again, and Toph says. Toph is like a, a the the queen of like cutesy insulting nicknames. I know it's like it's like the people pe- some people can just do that with ease. Come up with nicknames for people, and I always feel like they're very cool. Yeah, yeah. So Toph says to Sokka, "Sorry, snoozles. We'll do we'll do our earthbending as quietly as we can." And then she earthbends Sokka way up into the air, so he drops to the ground to to really wake him up. But I mean, we have Sugar Queen, Snoozles, Twinkle Toes. Like she's just like a. 
uh, a nicknamey person, but there's always like a uh, insulty edge to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're, we're going to see that that is on brand for Toph yes. uh, for this episode. Um, so Aang is, is still really excited and he asks, you know, what move is he going to learn first? And he rattles off a bunch, including Rockalanche, the Trembler, and Whirlpool out of land. <laughs> I wonder if this a lot of this is coming from the uh, Earth Rumble 6. It sure feels like it. Yeah. It sure feels like it. Uh, and Toph says, well, let's just start with move a rock. <laughs> if we, that, That's sort of the first step here. So we see Toph starting to teach. She says, the key to earthbending is your stance. You've got to be steady and strong. Rock is a stubborn element. If you're going to move it, you've got to be like a rock yourself. And then she pushes Aang over to sort of show like, okay, you're not doing this now. You need to start being immovable. Mm. Um, So she demonstrates this motion by pushing a huge boulder across the landscape. Uh, And we see Aang focus and he tries to do what she does, but just ends up sort of shooting himself backwards. It's almost like Newton's third law of motion, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And he's pushing like power wise, trying to push against the rock, but the rock won't move. So he has to. So he flies back from it. Um, And then we see Sokka looking on. He's still in his sleeping bag and he kind of laughs and says, rock beats airbender. So good. Pretty good line from Sokka. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to, uh, a sepia tone flashback. We're getting accustomed to the sepia tone flashbacks here. And what we see is a young and very fit looking Iroh, mm-hmm. um, running up a hill with a young boy and the boy pretends to attack him and Iroh falls down like he was hit and they fall together into the grass laughing, you know, under this tree. And then it dissolves to an older Iroh sitting on the same hill in the rain at the foot of a grave. And we hear him say, my beloved Lu Ten, I will see you again. Right. So he's clearly sitting at the foot of his now dead son's grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hear Zuko's voice break through this flashback. And he says, uncle, you are unconscious. So we're now looking through Iroh's POV um, as he comes to. And he's looking up at Zuko. And they're in one of the burnt out buildings from the village that we that they were in in the chase uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, and Zuko says, Azula did this to you. It was a surprise attack. And Iroh says, somehow it was not so surprising. <laughs> we're going to see that Iroh has a real, he definitely has opinions about Azula, which he's always had. Like he's always sort of hinted at. He's just going to be very frank uh, from now on. Um, so we see Zuko hand Iroh a cup of tea and Zuko, you know, this is great. Cause we've never seen, we've seen Iroh make tea for Zuko, but we've never seen it the other way around. Yeah. Like Zuko's care, like taking care of. Exactly. Iroh. Exactly. So Zuko says, I hope I made it the way you like it. And we see Iroh take a, a sip and his face reacts kind of in chron- uh, comic horror, uh, as he drinks, but he just says, good. It's very bracing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so clearly Zuko is not adept at uh, at making tea and Zuko hands him another cup and if you it's really easy to miss this but if you watch subtly he hands uh, Iroh another cup and when Zuko's not looking Iroh throws it like over his shoulder he dumps like it out out the out window out the window behind him yeah yeah so Zuko says so uncle I've been thinking it's only a matter of time before I run into Azula again I'm going to need to know more advanced firebending if I'm going to stand a chance against her. Now, I know what you're going to say. She's my sister, and I should be trying to get along with her. And Iroh says, no, she's crazy and needs to go down. <laughs> I think Mark and Levi brought this line up um, in the last episode as, yes. as sort of pointing to Iroh. Uh, like I said, he really has a take on Azula. Yeah, he is never like this with anyone else. Right, right. And, but I mean, and he's he's been attacked by her. He also knows... Uh, who she is, right? Mm-hmm. He he knows that she is trying to usurp um, Zuko. And Iroh knows something about younger siblings mm-hmm. usurping o- older siblings. Yep. Yeah. So um, we see him struggle to stand and he says, it's time to resume your training. So we actually haven't seen Iroh training Zuko in a long time. It's been since season one that we've seen this right. really happen. And those scenes were kind of in the background, like just Mm-hmm. On the ship, yeah, usually, yeah, passing time almost. Yeah, waiting for music night. <laughs> um, so the, we cut back to Aang and Toph and Katara, and they're at this rock, right? Uh, the one that, that Aang had tried to move before. And Katara's confused about what went wrong. She said, and Aang says, maybe there's another way. What if I came at the boulder from a different angle? 
And it's really important what Toph says here, because what we're what we're going to see in this episode is kind of the conflict mm. between earthbending and airbending, mm. right? That these are, later Katara is going to talk about how these are opposite powers in the same way fire and water are opposite, earth and air are opposite. Um, so Toph says, you've got to stop thinking like an airbender. If you're going to be an earth, if you're going to bend, learn to bend earth, you have to stop thinking like an airbender. There's no different angle. There's no clever solution, no trickety trick that's going to move that rock. Now, this reminds me of Boomy because Boomy yes. was the one who who criticized Aang and said, you're always evade and avoid. Yeah. Right? And, and, and what we see Toph saying is, you're never going to learn to earthbend if you keep thinking like this. Right. And, and... – I wonder if Boomy was in the back of his head too, though, because Boomy does approach things from different angles. That's kind of like mm-hmm. his thing to be like, um, try to be clever, try to be a mad genius. So maybe it's also Aang trying to cut corners and be like, I don't need to do, I don't need to do that other stuff first. I can be, I can think like Boomy, exactly. right? Exactly. Like think, think about it differently. Exactly. So, so Toph goes on to say, you've got to face it head on. And again, she pushes Aang down to show him he's not being a rock. Uh, and she says, when I, and when I say head on, I mean this. And she jumps at the rock, literally like lands on it and crushes it <laughs> and just obliterates it into little pebbles. Um, so so this is going to become a big theme. Like, like you have to face things head on. You have to have this solid stance, right? We're learning about earthbending, that it's very different than, um, it's very different than airbending. And right now I, I, I want to point to something. A few episodes back, um, Jasmine Griffin talked about uh, these little short videos that they did on Nickelodeon about mm. the different kinds of martial arts that were the uh, inspiration for the diff- for the types of moves that the different benders do. And when she, the and I don't remember the name of the um, the martial art that that airbending is based on, but it is based on this like swirling, moving, constantly circling around your target. Mm. Um, and it's in that and that sounds very much like what Aang's talking about. There's gotta be another angle, another way to approach this. Mm. And the earthbending martial art is like very rooted stance in the ground kind yeah. of thing. And so so it's like she's trying to teach him a new a new way to approach things, but he has to almost unlearn being an airbender in order to learn to be a, an earthbender. And it's kind of funny how those qualities are literally what those two characters are too. Like she described um, earthbending as steady, strong, and stubborn. That's her. Mm-hmm. And then Aang himself, he's like kind of, I don't know, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. He's always thinking about all these different things, like joking around. He can be serious one second and kind of crazy or neurotic the next, right? So it's like two very different types of person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So Toph walks away from this and Katara runs after her. And here's where we get our first little like teacher meeting. Mm. Katara says, I've been training Aang for a while now. He really responds well to a positive teaching experience. Lots of encouragement and praise. Kind words. If he's doing something wrong, maybe a gentle nudge in the right direction. Toph says, thanks, Katara. A gentle nudge. I'll try that. Uh, so we're we're seeing that, and it's said very sarcastically, right? Right. So then we cut, we sort of hard cut to Toph just sort of barking out orders um, to Aang as she's training him. And I would say if you want a way to think about Toph, it's um, maybe maybe a way to think about her as a teacher is a little like the uh, Arlie Ermy character in Full Metal Jacket, the drill sergeant who's just barking out insults, <laughs> barking out commands. Um so we get a little bit of that vibe off of off of Toph, right? That 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 to be a teacher, she now it's different than what we saw with Paku and Jong Jong too. Like she's just is but she just wants to literally go head on at it and it's like you mm-hmm. have to do this and she's gonna insult you. She's gonna do all of these things. Yeah, to drill get sergeant you. for exactly, sure. Exactly. So she did not take <laughs> Katara's advice. That's right. She says to Aang, keep your knees high, Tinkle Toes. Um, Aang is, we see Aang carrying a huge boulder on his back um, while Toph earthbends under his feet until he collapses. Like she's trying to trip him as he's doing this. And then we get this this training montage. And as a fan of like 
Karate Kid, Rocky, <laughs> these types of things. Training montages are, are my bread and butter. So we get this training montage of tasks that Toph is having Aang perform. And we see him fail at each one of them. Um, but then eventually, as the montage goes on, he starts to succeed at a few of them at least a little bit. And he gets this um, small little nod from from Toph when he finally does a few things right. Which Which teaching philosophy, if you were a student, would you prefer? I do. I am pretty uncoachable mm. with with the way that coaching tends to be. So, like, I don't respond well to the negative thing. Um, I probably more to positive or to um, being left alone. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. I feel like it's so the satisfaction though of the drill sergeant teacher giving you the nod of approval of like, oh, okay, yeah, we're like you're getting there. Ooh, that is a that great moment. I, I mean, I hate it throughout all of it, like Aang does. But then when you get that little bit of approval, it's like, oh, and I learn it so much better. Yep. See, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite. That will ne- never works for me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not good. I don't respond well to traditional coaching like that. Hmm. Yeah. So. Um, so then we cut to a scene uh, of another part of the Rocky Valley. And we see this tiny, I'm going to call it puppy-sized animal Mm. that looks like a pony with little budding horns. um, And it's kind of sniffing around and eating a plant. Similar to um, the, what were the cute ones from the the ducks? Yeah, turtle turtle ducks. Turtle ducks. This is an adorable animal. Very cute. Yes. And and we will learn by the end of the episode what it is, but I'm just going to wait and and (laughs) think of it as this little pony creature until we get to, until we really learn what it is. So from there, we pan up to a tree above and we see Sokka looking down and he's hunting. And he's sort of talking to this little creature from up above and he says, you're awfully cute, but unfortunately for you, you're made of meat. He jumps down from the tree to pounce on it, but misses and finds himself trapped waist deep, deep in the rocky ground. He tries to swing his sword at the pony and somehow sinks deeper all the way down to his shoulders. And Sokka says, you're one lucky little meat creature. <laughs> so um, thoughts on Sokka, the, the meat eater here. I love it. I love that that happened to him. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, so from there, we dissolve to Zuko and Iroh uh, back in their kind of rundown cabin. And Iroh is training Zuko. Uh, he says, lightning is a pure expression of firebending. Uh, and he says it's firebending without aggression, um, which is going to lead us to realize that, well, firebending then is about, or it's, it's, it grows out of aggression. Mm. He says, it's not fueled by rage or emotion the way firebending is. Some call lightning the cold-blooded fire. It is precise and deadly, like Azula. To perform the technique requires peace of mind. Which I was like, Azula, initially I was like, Azula does not seem like someone who has ever had peace of mind. But I think she has like peace of herself. Yeah, and I think we need to remember that Azula is cold and calculating. Yep. So we see her use emotions. We see her play these different roles. But... We know that she is, like, we see this with her mother. We see this with young Zuko. She's manipulative, which means that, I mean, she really is like a sociopath, like <laughs> an emotionless person who is um, who is just manipulating those yep. things. Um, so she actually is cold and calculating, even in the way she helps sort of thinking about plotting, you know, how her father could become yes, Fire Lord. Plotting and presumably, the demise of her family. Right, right. So so when you think about it that way, it's like, well, actually, that does describe her, right? That, <laughs> yes. That, that she is the type of person. I mean, Zuko is deeply emotional. Right. I mean, he's empathetic. He feels um, when when he hears about, uh, about Iroh and Luten, he's heartbroken and he feels for Iroh. When Azula mm. hears that, she's thinking, how can this maybe help us? help our family help my father become fire lord yeah yeah so so it actually yeah, it actually is fitting when we think about it so at this point you know iroh's saying you know you have to calm your mind and um iroh hands a cup of tea to zuko and zuko says i see that's why we're drinking tea to calm the mind and iroh's like 
oh yeah good point i mean yes so it's like iroh was just having tea because he likes to have tea <laughs> so then from here we cut to iroh and zuko and they're on a rocky desert hilltop uh and iroh is saying there's an energy all around us this energy is both yin and yang a positive energy and a negative energy only a select few firebenders can separate these energies this creates an imbalance the energy wants to restore balance. And in the moment, the positive and negative energy come crashing back together. You provide a release and guidance, creating lightning. So he's giving us the recipe for how mm. this uh, this lightning power works. And I'm, I, 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 I wrote a lot of dialogue for this script because kind of like with the dual swords, I just keep thinking, okay, let's hold on to this idea of these positive and negatives coming together that there's a there, there's this power that comes about when balance is restored and i mm. want to hold on to that even though i'm not sure where like the lightning i'm not sure where to direct or point that observation at i want to hold on to that yeah um and think about that because that it sure feels like a metaphor yes even if i sure. even if i'm not sure what it's a metaphor for at this exact moment um so then uh Iroh continues on um, and we see him kind of performing some arm motions to sort to separate the energies and he directs a huge flash of lightning across the sky. So we haven't actually seen this until now that Iroh can lightning bend. Yeah, we've seen him redirect, mm -hmm. react, but yeah, yeah, I was surprised. And it's interesting because we we at this point never see Azula fire bend. She only does lightning, right? Have we ever yeah. seen her? I mean, we saw her as a kid use fire, but I don't think yeah. we've seen this. She's like, she only uses this maximum power. She has no emotion. Right. Where <laughs> like, we've, what is it? Where we've seen Iroh fire bend, you mm. know, uh, when he was captured on the way and he was, they were taking him back to Ba Sing Se, he uses fire. But now we know he actually is capable of this other really more powerful thing, but he just doesn't use it. Mm. Um, so we see Zuko, uh, or excuse me, Zuko sees this and announces, I'm ready to try it. And Iroh says, remember, once you separate the energy, you do not command it. You are simply its humble guide. Breathe first. We see that Zuko tries it and ends up creating a huge explosion that just blows him backwards. And Iroh kind of shakes his head. So it's interesting because he tries this thing that's this new power. Mm -hmm. And instead of creating, having the thing happen that he wants, he gets blown backwards, which is exactly what Aang does. Yeah. This right, is when he tries to move yeah, that rock. This mirror of the two training is great. Yeah. So we're, so, and, and this episode is going to be full of mirroring trainings and mirroring teachers. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because uh, last episode we saw Toph and mm -hmm. Iroh talking, you know, and now we see them shift from having that conversation to now they're each training their uh, training their student. So we cut back to Toph and Aang uh, in their training. And Toph says, this time we're going to try something a little different. Instead of moving a rock, we're going to stop a rock. Get in your horse stance. I'm going to roll a boulder down at you. If you have the attitude of an earthbender, you'll stay in your stance and stop the rock. So here we see Katara jump in and says, sorry, Toph, but are you sure that this is really the best way to teach Aang earthbending? And Toph says, oh, I'm glad you said something. Actually, there is a better way. And you're thinking like, oh, did she, you know, is she, is she actually listening to Katara? But instead she pulls out a blindfold and puts it on Aang and says, this way, you'll really have to sense the vibrations of the boulder and stop it. And I just thought Boomy would have loved this. Yeah. Yeah. Boomy would have loved the inherent danger in this. Yep. And the like, let's make it one step crazier. Let's throw a blindfold on too. Because it is going to teach you the thing Boomy said. Somebody who waits and listens mm -hmm. and, and really pays attention. Plus to him, it would be entertaining. Absolutely. He would, yeah, he would get a kick out of watching this. Um, so we see her roll the boulder down towards Aang. And Aang is standing there, and at the last second, he jumps up and over the boulder. So he kind of resorts to the, the airbending, avoid, and evade. Um, so Toph rushes down to Aang, and Aang says, I guess I just panicked. I don't know what to say. Toph says, there's nothing to say. You blew it. You had a perfect stance and perfect form, but when it came right, right down to it, you didn't have the guts. 
I also think it's interesting she she's rooting earthbending in the gut. Yeah, because when you think about him approaching waterbending, he didn't really care about form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a natural in it somehow, maybe just the avatar part of him. And so it's like the form and the stance didn't matter then. But now when he's trying to do it well, it he's not a natural anymore. Exactly, exactly. Ang says, I know, I'm sorry. Toph says, yeah, you are sorry. If you're not tough enough to stop the rock, then you can at least give it the pleasure of smushing you instead of jumping out of the way like a jelly-boned wimp. Now, do you have what it takes to face that rock like an earthbender? They're here again. This is where we're getting our drill sergeant, <laughs> like, you know. Uh, and Ang says, no, I don't think I do. And here we see Katara run in and, and she says, Ang, it's no big deal. You'll take a break and you'll try earthbending again when you're ready. Besides, you still have a lot of waterbending to work on. And Aang agrees dejectedly. Toph says, yeah, whatever. Go splash around until you feel better. So it's interesting. I mean, this struck me as like what parenting often looks like, right? (laughs) The kind of good cop, bad cop part of parenting. It's like trying to get your kid to eat something. And, you know, that they, that they don't want to eat. And the one of them is, you know, the one parent is being really, like, firm and angry yeah. about it. And the other's trying to be soft about and, like, it. negotiate yeah. or something. Like, yep. one is trying to be a rock and the other's trying to be water. Yeah. Almost, uh. Right? I mean, but, but it, you know, so so it is interesting. Like, we're seeing Aang has two teachers. Aang mm. has, to, he has to be learning these two things. The two teachers have these different approaches. And their approaches match what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Uh, so then we go back to the abandoned village with Zuko and Iroh. Um, and Zuko keeps trying to create lightning and keeps failing. He says, why can't I do it? Instead of lightning, it keeps exploding in my face. Like everything always does. I can't get through that line. Honestly, it's sad. But I laugh every time because it's so dramatic. He just, the way, the delivery is so angsty. Yeah. And it and it really is like, this is somebody who's so beaten down and pessimistic that he's projecting negativity so much. I mean, it's like, it's like that negativity has gone out of control. And it's just yeah. like, it's like the person who like a couple bad things happen and then it's like, well, everything's bad. It's like, well, no, you know, like he he's totally lost any sense of perspective now he has he's had a bad run (laughs) i I will grant him that um so iroh says i was afraid this might happen you will not be able be able to master lightning until you've dealt with the turmoil inside of you zuko you must let go of your feelings of shame if you want your anger to go away Mm. and zuko says but i don't feel shame at all i'm as proud as ever Iroh says, Prince Zuko, pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source. True humility is the only antidote to shame. And I just wrote in my notes a big, bold boom. Like, he just dropped a real piece of truth there. Yeah. I mean, I will remember for the rest of my life, pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source. Yeah. Like, like that should be your, like, yearbook quote. Like, that's, (laughs) like, that's, that's, but it also, like, totally... Uh, precisely describes Zuko's situation. Yes, because he is somebody who is in balance. And like, if he wants to be like Azula, she has peace of mind with her decisions, but he does not have that at all. Mm-hmm. And like, what he needs is humility. And yeah. because, yeah, and because he's so proud, he can't, that, that means he can't get over the shame of being in exile, the shame mm-hmm. of losing his honor and his throne and all these things. Uh, yeah, that those are the very things that get in the way. I mean, that's just that's just good life advice. I know. I love it. Uh, Zuko says, well, my life has been nothing but humbling lately. Again, not wrong, but it's also like he's projecting out too much. It's like it's like he can't remember. I bet this Zuko is incapable of remembering the great moments of the blue spirit. It's just mm-hmm. like it's like that's not even him. It is interesting that he has to create another version of himself in in order to be uh this sort of successful <laughs> successful version right he has to be something separate like that could ne- zuko could never do that but the blue spirit could mm. um iroh says i have another idea i will teach you a firebending move that even azula doesn't know because i made it up my made it up myself and we see zuko kind of half smile at his uncle at this point so what's interesting about this is 
we see Aang struggling with earthbending. And we know that Aang is a natural. Aang is a prodigy, right? Yeah. In Zuko, we have the opposite. We know that Zuko's not. Azula is. So he's like it's like he's competing with the ghost of Azula here, right? That he knows Azula's been able to do this. She's a prodigy. She's always been ahead of him. Remember her whispering to him, you'll never catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, and these things are still rattling in his uh rattling in his brain. So we have Aang dealing with I'm a prodigy, but what if I can't do this? And Zuko's dealing with I'm not a prodigy, and that's why I can't do this. And both of those things are creating blocks for them. So we go back to Sokka, who's uh, still stuck in the ground, uh, almost up to his shoulders, with just his head and his hand sticking out. Uh, the little pony creature is sleeping on Sokka's head, and he's talking to it. He says, you probably think I deserve this, don't you? Look, I'm sorry I hunted you, but it's just the natural order of things. Big things eat smaller things. Nothing personal. But this time it didn't work out that way. And then he's kind of sitting there. He says, I admit it. You're cute. Okay, you convinced me. If I get out of this alive, it's a karmically correct vegetarian existence for me. No meat, even though meat is so tasty. Oh, he said that and I was like, yay! <laughs> he can join Aang. They can have meals together. That's right. That's right. Um, and at this point, the pony thing runs off. And a fly lands on Sokka's face and there's nothing he can do to shoo it away. He just has to exist with it. <laughs> yes, he's forced to be... A vegan? Yes. (laughs) And then the pony returns with an apple for Sokka, but places it just beyond Sokka's reach. He pathetically tries to use his boomerang to get it out, but to no avail. (laughs) And it's just this funny moment. And at this point, I always love when, when there are ties to, you know other sources ties to greek mythology and this is this is a version of the myth of tantalus from greek mythology are you familiar with the myth of tantalus we know that i'm not great with greek mythology i will say i know the word tantalizing and that's where this that's where this comes from that's what i'm assuming right like instant gratification yes yes or 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 something that's tantalizing is something that you want but to be tantalized is to have something but not quite be able to get it right right? reaching for it yes so tantalus uh, in greek mythology is uh a son of zeus like he has a mortal mother and zeus is his father right so he's he's welcomed in to dine with the olympians and uh one of his crimes is that he he steals um the 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 food of the gods and the nectar of the gods and brings it back to people right Mm -hmm. so he's one of the like ancient criminals in that way um but but the the famous thing and this is where the myth of tantalus comes from is that he at one point tries to test the omniscience of the gods right the gods are supposed to be all-knowing so he he serves a dinner to the gods and what he serves at the meal is his son Oh. He has his son killed and butchered, and he serves it to the gods to see, will they recognize that this is his son that they're eating? Oh. Okay. And uh, and the gods do recognize it, and they, for the most part, don't eat it. There's a little bit more complicated here. But for the most, we'll say they, oh. don't, they, don't, they don't eat it. So, so I want to think about this as like, right, so Sokka's crime in the, this karmic story has to do with eating meat. Well, the story of Tantalus has to do with eating this mm. forbidden meat, right? Or like offering this forbidden meat to the gods. So for his crime, Tantalus is uh, put in the the sort of deepest circle of Hades, right? The, the Greek, the Greek uh, hell, right? Mm-hmm. The deepest circle of Hades. And he's made to stand in a pool of water um, up to his neck. But okay. every time he reaches down to take a drink, the water level goes down. So he can never quite reach it. And right above him is a fruit tree. And the, the fruit of the tree is just, he can just reach it. But every time he reaches up, the tree moves. So the fruit is always just out of his reach. So he's, he's left like, to eternally suffer in hunger and thirst. It's like constantly sees his desires, but can't have them. Exactly, right? Oh. Just as Sokka is here, right, for his crime of wanting to eat this this little pony creature, right, wanting to eat this meat, is stuck in a situation where he can see food but he can't reach it. I love that. Yeah. And I love that it's like literally this whole episode with all of the characters. They're all grasping for something. It's like their desire to earthbend, desire to firebend or lightning bend, but they can't reach it. Exactly. Oh, it's so exactly. tantalizing. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, 
so then we cut uh, back to the pond where Aang and Katara are working on waterbending, right? Because Aang left Toph to go work on waterbending. Um, and we see, when we see the pond, we see this frog sitting on a rock. And Momo tries to pounce on it. And he grabs the frog, but the frog jumps away. And Momo falls headfirst into the water. What I find interesting about this is this is a mirroring of Sokka, right? Sokka mm-hmm. was hunting. He pounced and got stuck in the earth, right? right? And that was his punishment for for hunting, for hunting the meat. Now, he got stuck in the element that Aang was working on bending, right? Yeah. Now Aang's working on bending water. We see Momo jump to try to get this frog, and he falls headfirst into the water, the element Aang is now working on. All four of these folks, with their need for instant gratification and not being able to do it, and it's tormenting them. That's right. And That's we see, awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was just this great little moment that could totally be a throwaway, but it's yeah. like, wow, even Momo, even Momo. <laughs> Especially uh, Momo. Yeah, yes. So we see Momo's striped tail sticking up, and it blends in with the striped cattail plants in the pond. So just a nice little visual image there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. So we see Aang and Katara, and they're in the pond kind of bending water back and forth. And Katara's sort of talking to Aang about... The earthbending stuff. And she says, you know, this block you have is only temporary, right? And Aang says, I don't, want, I don't want to talk about it. And Katara says, do you realize that that's the problem, don't you? If you face this issue instead of avoiding it, right? So so she's, she's saying like him not wanting to talk about it, him not wanting to face the issue of the block is the same issue Toph is talking about. Mm. You don't want to face... What, what's coming at you? You don't want to stand. Uh, you don't want to stand your ground. And Aang says, I know, I know, I know, I know. I get it all right. I need to face it head on like a rock. But I just can't do it. I don't know why I can't, but I can't. And Katara says, Aang, if fire and water are opposites, then what is the opposite of air? Aang says, I guess it's earth. And she says, that's why this is. it's so hard for you to get this. You're working with your natural opposite. But you'll figure it out. I know you will. And she grabs a reed from behind her back and kind of breaks it off and throws it at Aang. And he instinctively slices it in two with water. She says, excellent. You have the reflexes of a waterbending master. And we see Aang say, thanks, Katara. Sifu Katara. And he, bow- and he bows to her and just like he did to Toph. She's very pleased. She's like moved that he called her that. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting, right? That 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 he's he's dealing with the opposite of his nature, right? His nature is to be uh it is to be an airbender and, mm. and, and he's trying to approach us like this. In the same way that Zuko is dealing with the opposite of his nature, right? This whole lightning thing is about basically killing your emotions yeah and it's like uh zuko is a um, an emotional like open wire right like (laughs) like like that's his that that's what he is but in order to master this thing that's what he needs to deal with Mm -hmm. right is is that uh is those emotions or are those emotions so from here we cut to iroh who's teaching zuko uh and we see him drawing the symbols of the four elements in the dirt this is an amazing scene. So I'm just going to read what he says here because this is, he. it's like he's laying out part of the mythology of the world mm-hmm. here. Um, so he says, as he's saying these things, he's drawing the sort of symbols for each nation. He says, fire is the element of power. The people of the fire nation have desire and will and the energy and drive to achieve what they want. Earth is the element of substance. The people of the earth kingdom are diverse and strong. They are persistent and enduring. Air is the element of freedom. The air nomads detached themselves from worldly concerns and found peace and freedom. Also, they have apparently a pretty good sense of humor. And here Iroh laughs and Zuko just deadpan. No reaction. (laughs) It's like, keep going. Water is the element of change. The people of the water tribe are capable of adapting to many things. They have a deep sense of community and a love that holds them together through anything. Any thoughts on thinking about these? I mean, they all, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like thinking about Katara and Aang and all the like little examples we have of each 
yeah, of yeah. Each I shrine. feel like he's describing yeah. the people we've seen. Like, like it, it. What I like about this is it's it's a very head-on description, but it's like describing things you've already seen to help kind of make sense out of them. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And Zuko says, "Why are you telling me these things?" And Iroh says, "It's important to draw wisdom from many different places. If we take it from only one place, it becomes rigid and stale. Understanding others." The other elements and the other nations will help you become whole. That's something that Azula could literally never do. Right. Which I love. Yeah. She has no empathy. And it's like, so Zuko needs to be able to divorce himself sometimes from his emotions, but at the same time, his empathy is going to actually be like what makes him a better bender. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And Zuko says all this four elements talk is sounding like Avatar stuff. Iroh says, it's the combination of the four elements in one person that makes the Avatar so powerful. But it can make you more powerful, too. You see, the technique I'm about to teach you is one I learned by studying the waterbenders. I'm like, can we have a spinoff episode or something of him hanging out with the waterbenders? Yeah. I That'd want, be so cool. I want to know when, how did he study the waterbenders? How yes. did he? Yeah. Have he met some of the waterbenders that he might have been friends with? You know, or studied or whatever. And what's so interesting, I mean, th- so so we're learning a lot about Iroh here. And we're going to see that that the, the power he's going to try to teach Zuko is to redirect the lightning. Mm. Right? Which is interesting because cause the counter to Azula's cold, calculated lightning bending is this empathetic, holistic yeah. view. Which lets that power sort of flow through you. Yeah. Right? And not affect you. Yeah. And, and and get redirected. So so he's sort of recognizing because it is interesting when he when Zuko's failing, uh, you know, in the previous scene at, at the lightning thing, uh Iroh says, You can't do this. Like like <laughs> now he's saying you can't do this until you deal with these other things, but he is sort of saying, like, this is not for you, but but it's like he's saying, but maybe this other thing is maybe we can harness, we can actually use the things that feel like they're a problem to you we can use that as your strength yeah exactly like you said he's capable of doing this in ways that azula never could yes he cares about community like the waterbenders he does (laughs) even though he's cut off his ponytail like he cares he wants wants it back think about think about why he was banished in the first place it's because he was caring about those other people who were going to get sent off to die Right. It's his, empathy is his original sin, right. you know, that, that got him cast out of the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so from here, we cut to Aang meditating on a rock with Momo sleeping by his side. And we see Toph approach and sit on a different part of the big rock. She says, Aang, I found these nuts in your bag. I figured you wouldn't mind. And besides, even if you did, you're too much of a pushover to do anything about it. And we see Aang say, as a matter of fact, I don't mind. I'm happy to share anything I have. Right? So here we're, you know, I think about what Iroh said about the the fact that the airbenders have detached themselves from worldly concerns and found peace and freedom. So he's, he actually is just living out that, that idea. Yeah. Toph says, you know, I'm really glad you feel that way because I also have this great new nutcracker. She spins Aang's staff up in the air, and Aang looks on concern as she cracks the nuts by slamming them with one end of his staff. Aang says, actually, I prefer if you didn't, and then smash, she breaks one. That's an antique handcrafted by the monk, and smash, she breaks another one. Which I'm like, oh, we've seen Aang use his staff to do, like, lots of things, so I feel like he's overreacting. Right. But but he knows what it's capable of and what it's not. Right. Right. So then, you know, he says, it's a delicate instrument. And Toph says, it's not the only delicate instrument around here. Toph is really witty yes. and, like, biting. I love it. Uh, and we see Toph and Momo eat the nuts, and she walks away, slamming the staff around like she's walking with a white cane. <laughs> um, she's so funny. Right. So so we see Aang, you know, that, that he is detached, but there are things. Because what is that staff? I mean, think about it being an antique crafted by a monk. That's the part he gets out. It's like, that's a... That's a, a symbol. It's a symbol of his identity, yeah. right? As an airbender, it's also kind of his one link to the past. Yeah, it's like a it's like a lost culture and yeah, yeah, the important artifacts. But and... but 
maybe she's saying, okay, well, if you want to learn earthbending, you need to let go of even that stuff. Yeah. Like you really need to let go. You really need to be truly, uh, you know, truly an airbender who can let go of those concerns. So we see Aang try to go back to meditating, but Katara interrupts him. Uh, she's concerned because it's almost sundown and Sokka hasn't returned. So they decide to split up and look for him. So then we cut to Sokka, who's still in the ground up to his neck. The pony creature is pulling on his ponytail. Sokka says, okay, karma person or thing or whoever's in charge of this stuff. If I can just get out of this situation alive, I will give up meat and sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> so we see the pony pull off the binder holding Sokka's ponytail and his hair frizzes out. So we're seeing every aspect of Sokka's identity getting stripped away and he's powerless he's lost his sword the boomerang hasn't worked the ponytail's gone he says i'm gonna give up meat i'm gonna (laughs) give up sarcasm anything anything to get out of that he says that's all i got that's pretty much my whole identity Sokka, the meat and sarcasm guy but i'm willing to be Sokka, the veggies and straight talk fellow (laughs) deal (laughs) and we see ang walk up and Sokka says thanks thank goodness have you got any meat (laughs) so I actually really love this. This whole soccer runner is funny in an episode that has a lot of serious and a lot of dialogue, a lot of exposition, but it is, it is consistent with this theme of, of identity and especially Mm -hmm. Sokka's identity. Like, like now he's in a situation where he's bargaining with his identity. Yeah. If I, to save myself, what am I willing to give up? Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I, I really love that. I, Sokka's quest for identity is maybe one of my favorite um, themes running through this season. Um, so Aang tries to pull Sokka out, but he can't. Then he tries to earth or airbend Sokka out, but it does nothing except for blow his hair up. Sokka says, seriously, Aang, I know you're new at it, but I could use a little earthbending here. How about it? And Aang sort of defeatedly admits, I can't do it. Sokka says, well, if you can't earthbend me out of here, go get Toph. And Aang says, I can't do that either. It would just be really uncomfortable. And Sokka says, uncomfortable? Well, I wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable. So he hasn't given up sarcasm yet, but he also hasn't gotten out yet. Um, Aang says, the whole earthbending thing is really has me confused. There's so much pressure. Everyone expects me to get it right away. It puts me in a really awkward position. So here we're seeing Aang, the prodigy, dealing with being the prodigy. This is the first yeah. time he's really verbalizing this. We, we've seen it, but now he's saying it. Like like Zuko, he's also projecting a lot. I don't think anybody expects him to get it right away. And yet he thinks that they do. And it's part of his shame that he's not willing to go back and mm-hmm. talk to, you know, like and part of his pride. pride and his shame that yeah. he's not willing to go back and talk to That's Toph. right. So, so Aang has said, you know, puts me in a really awkward position. And Sokka says, awkward position. I think I know the feeling. Again, He's just describing <laughs> Sokka perfectly here. Aang says, if I try, if I try, but if I don't try, I'm never going to get it. I feel like I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. And then the, <laughs> which again, describes Sokka perfectly. We see the pony creature walk up. Sokka says, Aang, this is my friend, Fufu Cuddly Poops. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, I found that line very funny. <laughs> and the, the delivery of it very funny. Um, Aang points out that the pony creature is a cute little baby saber-tooth moose, moose lion cub. He's like, I love that name for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sokka says he looks like, he doesn't look like a saber-tooth moose lion. Aang says, well, it's hard to tell before their giant teeth and horns grow in. He says, what are you doing here, little guy? Did you lose your mama? And we hear the roar of the cub's mom. And we see this huge saber-tooth moose lion who is not happy again huge in the world of avatar means like massive yeah yeah terrifying because because here's the thing a moose is terrifying yes throw saber-toothed lion in there and mix them up like basically you get the size of a a moose avatar style plus the ferociousness of a saber-toothed lion yeah from here we cut to zuko and iroh training um and they're sort of turning back and forth almost in a dance. Um, Iroh says, waterbenders deal with the flow of energy. A waterbender lets their defense become their offense, turning their opponent's energy against them. 
I learned a way to do this with lightning. Zuko says, you can teach me how to redirect lightning. Now, what's interesting about this is I think about if we're if we're thinking about this mirroring of Zuko or excuse me, of Iroh and Toph, right? Mm -hmm. Iroh starts by or Toph starts by saying, move this rock. And he can't do that. So he says, well, if you can't move the rock, then stop a rock. Right. Iroh started with, you know, create lightning and, 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 and guide it. And he says, well, if you can't do that, if you can't create it, then can you move it? Yeah. Right. Can you redirect it? So, so again, we're seeing this, this sort of. It's booming it from different angles type of idea. Exactly. Right? No, absolutely. Uh, so Iroh says, if you let the energy in your body flow, the lightning will follow it. You must create a pathway from your fingertips up your arm to your shoulder, then down to your stomach. The stomach is the source of energy in your body. It is called the Sea of Chi. Only in my case, it's more like a vast ocean. He has such good lines this episode. Yes. But he gets no response uh, out of Zuko again. Are you familiar with Chi? Um, I looked up some stuff about it. Did you know? Okay, so I, I learned a couple things, and then you tell me what you learned, all right? I learned that it's a concept in martial arts training that's, like, used in many different mm -hmm. types of training and education. And holistic medicine. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's talking about life force, material energy, facilitate harmony in you, and that it literally translates to air. Oh, I didn't. I had everything except for the last part. Right. That's really interesting. I like that. So so the, the, the stomach is the... Uh, is the, the sea of chi or the vast ocean of chi. Uh, it says, from the stomach, you direct it up again and out the other arm. The stomach detour is critical. You must not let the lightning pass through your heart or the damage could be deadly. You may wish to try a physical motion to get a feel for the pathway flow like this. And then we see them both kind of like, like, like do this, this move of the pathway of the energy. It says, now are you focusing your energy? Can you feel your own chi flowing in, down, up, and out? Come on now. You've got to feel the flow. And we see Iroh do kind of a pop and lock arm wave <laughs> at this point, which I also just absolutely loved. <laughs> He's super, super funny. Um, so they continue to practice as the sun begins to set. And Zuko says, great, I'm ready to try it with real lightning. And Iroh says, are you crazy? Lightning is very dangerous. Zuko says, I thought that was the point. You're teaching me how to protect myself from it. And Iroh says, yeah, but I'm not going to shoot lightning at you. If you're lucky, you'll never have to use this technique at all. And we hear thunder start to roll in the background. And Zuko says, well, if you won't help me, I'll find my own lightning. And we see him ride off. Now, I found this is interesting because here's a departure between Toph and Iroh. Right, Toph is perfectly happy to roll a boulder at Aang and put him his life in danger, right, mm -hmm. while he's blindfolded. But Iroh is teaching, okay, this is how you avoid, this is how you avoid this. But he says, but I'm not going to put you in danger. I'm right. not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna be the one to endanger you. Right, they're family. Right. Yeah, and I wonder, I the the fact that how dangerous the lightning is that it could like kill you if it hits anywhere near your heart. Azula knows that. Mm -hmm. So she's, I mean, like, we know people use earthbending to, like, disarm or all these different things. Or, earth, or sorry, waterbending, any type of, of mm -hmm. element. She is only using lightning. So she is always willing to take a life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and think about the last time we saw her fire a bolt of lightning, it was at the heart of Iroh. Yeah. Because <laughs> that hit him in the chest. Yeah, he was lucky. That was a kill shot she was going for there. Um, so uh, we cut. So so Zuko rides off, and we cut to Aang, Sokka, and the saber tooth moose lion. Uh, and Aang tries to calm the mother by returning her cub, but the moose charges, and Aang air bends her away. Aang tries some earth bending moves to get Sokka out, but nothing happens. The moose starts to charge again. And Aang tries to distract her, but ends up needing to airbend her away again, right? So evade and avoid, evade and avoid, and it's not working. The moose charges a third time. This time Aang stands his ground and airbends her away. But he doesn't he doesn't himself get out of the way. He just um just airbends her away while standing his ground, and she runs off. When the dust settles, we see Toph sitting nearby, and she starts to give a slow clap to Aang, which I really love. <laughs> Aang says you were here the whole time? 
Why didn't you do something? Sokka was in trouble. I was in trouble. You could have gotten him out and helped us get away. Toph says, I get. I just guess it didn't occur to me. <laughs> and we see her throw a nut on the ground, and then she gets out Aang's staff and starts to swing it. And at this point, Aang grabs the staff out of her hand, and he says, enough, I want my staff back. And we see Toph say, do it now. Earthbend, Twinkletoes. You just stood your ground against a crazy beast. And even more impressive, you stood your ground against me. You got the stuff. Do it. So we see Aang stomp to an earthbending stance and he starts to move the boulder away. Toph says, you did it. You're an earthbender. And I love that Toph didn't change anything that she'd done the whole time. She still <laughs> did her insulting nickname. She still was a drill sergeant. It was like Aang needed to get over that. Yep. And she still sat there and watched him in peril until he stood his ground. Yep. And then she tested him a second time and said, okay, you did it there. Are you going to do it now? Yeah. Like, like, have you actually learned the lesson? <clears throat> so then Sokka says, uh, this is really wonderful, a touching moment, but could you please get me out of here so I can give you both a big snuggly hug? Sokka's great in this episode. And Aang jumps up to help and, help and Toph says, actually, you should probably let me do that. You're still a little new to this. You might accidentally crush him. So we see Toph earthbend him up and then she pulls him by the hair out of the hole. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to night coming and they make their way back to camp and Katara runs up excited to see Sokka. And Sokka says, the whole time I was in that hole, not knowing if I would live or die. It makes a man think about what's really important. And I realized, and here we see Aang interrupt to show Katara that he can now earthbend. And Katara yells out, I knew you could do it. I knew you could. And then she whispers over to Toph, you tried the positive reinforcement, didn't you? And Toph says, yep, worked wonders. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Aang announce to Appa, I can earthbend. The key is being completely rooted, physically and mentally unmovable. He takes a stance and then Appa licks him to the ground and they all laugh, right? Because you can have a strong stance, but against a loving Appa, that's pretty tough. Yeah, right? So there's this great moment where we were going to get the revelation of like, okay, where's Sokka at now? And it just gets, he gets cut off. So we don't really know what he learned. I know. And I want to know. This, and, and Avatar is this, this way of doing this. This feels like, okay, that's like a good end to this story. But that's not the end of the episode. Mm. We get one more scene. So we cut to nighttime and we see this storm raging. And we see Zuko standing on a mountaintop yelling up at the storm or at God or at life. And, you know, as the, as the storm is raging, he's yelling, you've always thrown everything you could at me. Well, I can take it. And now I can give it back. Come on, strike me. You've never held back before. And we see tears roll from his eyes as he screams, you know, and he's call he's basically begging the elements, begging the lightning to strike him. Yeah. Which is slightly like a death wish. Yeah. But then also like a he it's not that he he wants to redirect it back. He wants to like strike back at whatever karma has been plaguing him his whole life. Exactly. Yeah. So this it's, is this is that Sokka on the Mount moment. And it really does have that that um Jasmine talked about, and it really does have this religious sort of feel to it. Like, yes. like this is, you know, history is full of people having these sort of breaking moments with whatever the power in the world is, whether it's God or, right. or whatever. And he's, he's in that wrestling match. He's feeling, yeah, like tested by that. Yeah. It is probably one of the saddest scenes that we've seen so far. I think I like was very moved watching it. Yeah. And, and especially because he's all alone, right? That he's like, like, Iroh won't do this for me. I need to do this. And he's yeah. he's up there. And yeah. I think we've all been to that point in our lives where we feel like we're shouting out to like a storm, right? Yeah, I mean, it's almost cliche that he's on a mountaintop yelling up to God to basically say, yeah, give me everything you got. I can take it. And then nothing and happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, the episode ends. We don't know if anything happens. But true. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. So, uh Thoughts and observations from this episode. This was a great one. Yeah. I mean, I my big thing is we learned so much about bending. Mm -hmm. We learned so much where, like I said, I want to hold on to these notes just because there's so many. The little lecture that Iroh gives, we learn about all the kingdoms. We learn about 
Um, we learned from Toph a lot about earthbending and, mm-hmm. and kind of how it's different than airbending, right? And how... learn some from Katara, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think that, that we get this picture of uh, a more holistic approach to thinking about the elements, right? Because we see that Iroh studied with other benders. Yeah. We don't know how, when, where. We don't know what else he knows. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a whole bunch of other things that Iroh knows. Um, and we don't have the full picture of that, but there is this holistic approach to the elements. Um, it makes, and that, that goes beyond the avatar. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me want to like know whether those other masters we've met who are like Boomy or Paku, if they also studied other elements too. Cause like we never, I never thought about that until Iroh brought it up. It was like, oh, they have the scrolls for the waterbenders. They have this for, you know, but to be like, oh, it's not just the avatar that really benefits from all four. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there this council of masters who get together to talk about these things, to teach each other? Because I mean, what Iroh says, and you know, is that the combination of these things, this holistic approach is the secret to the avatar's power, but it could also be the secret to your power. Yeah. And like that. Got me excited because I feel like the this uh, the mythology around this just got this whole level deeper, and, and I really love that. And I feel like for me, even I'm I want Aang to master all four elements, of course, <laughs> so the world doesn't end. But I really, really want to see Zuko get more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it feels so earned. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, we ne- we really need to see him level up. Like, we're, yeah, you know, uh, and and I think. Yeah, I wonder what happens on that mountaintop. I wonder, you know, I love that we don't see, we don't know. Right. We 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 end at that crisis moment. Um, other things, uh, we see that Aang can now earthbend. Like he has now crossed that that divide, mm-hmm. right? And now he can he can earth earthbend. Um, I think the big question that is I think hangs over this episode is is Sokka now a vegetarian? <laughs> like like like. <laughs> We have it's so it's such a funny bit running in it, but like, where is he at with his identity? Like, yeah. what did he learn? This is all about what people learned, and it's like we get we we get robbed of the yes. Sokka revelation. So I'm really curious to see, and I haven't seen the next episode. I'm really curious to see, like, so what is like what does happen? What right. is the thing he's gonna learn? Me too. Or like, yeah, because Sokka's always saying exactly what he's feeling, exactly what he's thinking. So I'm feeling like we're gonna learn it eventually. But I hope they'd come back to it. Yeah, I would. I would. I would feel disappointed if I don't need him to be totally changed. But like, but I would feel disappointed if this was just like a comedy bit in the middle of this, and he doesn't take any of that stuff to heart. Right. Well, we were talking with Jasmine, I think, when she was mentioning Sokka's journey too, and how he starts out just super misogynistic, mm-hmm. dismissive to Appa, dismissive to Momo, and now we're like. It's a shift, and maybe you know, maybe he doesn't become a vegetarian, but maybe he's a little nicer to Momo. Yeah, yeah. that would be a win for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious to see where he's at on his arc, and I love that they are continuing on just being upfront about the identity stuff. Yeah, I think it's so cool. Uh, and then I think the other big question is sort of where do they go next? Right. So Aang has now started to actually earthbend. So now it's like now he can really learn because now it's like the the block is out of the way. Yeah. He's got a lot to learn, but now I feel like he and Toph will connect better because of that because now he is an earthbender. And I feel like now Prodigy Aang will kick in, like the Prodigy <laughs> mind of Aang will be like, okay, now that I got it, like now all of a sudden I can do all of this stuff. Because that seems to be how he how he learns, right? right? He in needs these... the basic, the foundation, right? And, and then... he seems to learn in these like spurts, and like all of a sudden he's got it, and then he can do this and this and this. Even with Zhang Zhang, we saw, you know, once he could control the fire a little, like all of a sudden he was like throwing it around and could do all kinds of stuff. So, right. Um, so I'm curious about that. And then the other question, you know, is a question of omission, which is, where's Azula? Yeah, like we left the chase in this cloud of black smoke and she was gone. And I, I mean, I'm really glad that she's not in this episode because we didn't need one more thing. Right. But I'm really curious. Me I'm too. really curious where she is. How does she connect back with May and Tylee? I presume she does. Um, but like, like how do they reorient? And this also excites me for the next time we see Azula face Zuko. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she thinks 
that Iroh's dead. We don't know. Yeah. She, she could have. She. I mean, she might think that she killed him. Absolutely. And I don't think she would care. No. That's oh. her. Yeah. She would have wanted that a long time ago. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, oh. Wow. Well, this is this is really a great episode. I feel like there's a there's a lot here, um, and I feel like we learned so much. I, the kinds of questions I I had about bending now, I feel confident. Either I feel like I know sort of answers to things, or I feel confident that I'm in good hands with this show. That this stuff is they're good, they're just going to dive deeper and deeper. And yeah. you know, I love that this was one where I I felt like. There, this was a lot about teaching, and it also taught a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like I learned a lot about um, how these different things work, and that's – I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm trying to think of like – okay, so I guess I should do my normal prediction stuff at this point. <laughs> so we've hit the midway point of the season. This is episode nine, so we'll be rolling into ten next week. And I feel – we somehow we have to get to Bossing say like right, it ju- but I don't know what would propel them there. Now the things I would point out is we have Azula who's going to be on their tail, and we still haven't seen the uh, the earthbending wrestler folks that are also chasing them. So I feel like next episode we're going to deal with at least one of those, and that might be the thing that pro- pushes them to go to Bossing say this last yeah. stronghold. We also know that next week we have a regular episode, but the episode after that is an extended one that's about the length of two episodes. So things are picking up like that. That means to me, we might have like a Siege of the North, but mid-season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I mean, because we had that in season one. We had Winter Solstice around this time, which was a double oh, episode true. that reveals a whole bunch. And then we have a double episode at the end of the season as well. So it, it's sort of fitting that same model. And you think about uh, with the with the 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 two-part winter solstice there was a lot of like story got pushed ahead there yeah things, things like i feel like our mission got clarified a yes. little bit more so i feel like that should be coming in that and i will say our next episode is one that i i know is high on the list of sort of great episodes mm-hmm. um I was, and it is a John O'Brien episode as well. Oh. Uh, yes, the library. Our boy. Yeah, because because I, I saw something, I was looking at it and they, I was looking at something about John O'Brien and I saw a comment somebody made, which is I something like, I can't accept that the same person who wrote The Great Divide wrote The Library, which I assume means The Library is like this apex great episode. Yeah. Um, and okay, so if I think about the title The Library, like I feel like, oh, we thought we learned stuff now. You go to a library to really learn stuff, to uncover yes. mysteries. So, like, I'm excited. I don't know where this library is. Well, I don't know what it contains. But the only mention we had of a library mm-hmm. was uh, uh, Zhao, right? Where he learned about the water spirit and the moon spirit. Yes. So maybe we're getting close to spirit world stuff. Yes. I was going to say, because the two double-parters from season one, they were they had oh, spirit world spirit stuff. World. I like that. I really want to get there. That's like the one element of season two that I feel like is missing is the spirit world. Right. But it feels about time to say we need to now. Because the, the, the closest thing we got to it was the swamp, which was about the sort of interconnectedness. But that's not really spirit world no, stuff. No, I want more co-creatures. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, Annie, that is all the time that we have. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying this this uh, journey that we're on. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at channel3900 at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, we would love to hear your thoughts about your experience with Avatar. If you're watching it along with us for the first time, if you're a Avatar scholar or somebody who's seen the whole thing uh, and just really loves it, we would love to have you on the show. So just shoot us an email. You can go to our website, avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com find old episodes of the show, um, leave comments. It's a great place to learn about this project, to, to interact with us. Um, and we will be back next week with Book to Earth, Chapter 10. The Library.